Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Would you say this with me tonight? I receive the Word of God to profit me. Now I'm going to say this one more time. I'm going to interrupt. Profit me. Profit me. Convict me. Instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that we can open up your word and have your word speak to us directly this evening. And I just pray, Father, use me as a vessel of the Holy Spirit of God to speak the word with accuracy, with no interruptions or distractions of any kind. Lord, let the word just go into the hearts of your people and bring revelation knowledge to their souls. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, one of the things that we're believing for this year, last year we were believing for a highest level uh, attainable, and one of the things we're believing for this year is progressing and advancing and experience promotion and seeing your highest expectation fulfilled. We're believing for that with you. Amen. You know, and, and so one of the things the Lord's put on my heart is to begin to teach on how we can progress to that higher level. And the word progress uh, in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 also means to be profitable. So that's why I said to be profitable. It's God's will for you to be profitable. You know, and there's a Bible way to prosper. And I know that a lot of times we've heard, well, you know, you give and it shall be given. And, and, and that's so true. There is truth to that. But, you know, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, I have, you know, given you power to get wealth. He's empowered you to prosper. He created you to prosper. He created you to increase. He's empowered you to do that. And when we look at the parable of the people who got the five talents and the two talents and the one talents, and we look at that, and they were given to everybody according to their, their ability, but they did something with what they were given. In other words, they were empowered to do something. So they did something what they were empowered to do, and as a result, they prospered with it. And so that's part of biblical prosperity, but I'm not going to get into that tonight. I'm going to just talk about kind of laying a foundation for us to begin to understand that God wants us to progress. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to increase. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, Paul speaking to Timothy, yes, as a young minister, and some people say, well, this is just for ministers. Well, we're, we all have been called into some form of ministry, believe it or not. The Bible says there's a ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ. So we all have some form of ministry, and ministry means a level of serving. And so this really applies to all of us, even though Paul was speaking to Timothy as a young minister. And he said, number one, let no one despise your youth. Now, I don't have to be concerned about that anymore because I'm not a youth in the world's system. But don't let anybody despise you, period. You know, people will mock you and make fun of you. Well, you're one of those people who believe the word. You're, you're evangelical. You know, uh, somebody was so surprised 
a few years ago that when I was in the city working with other uh, churches that they criticized me for being evangelical. You're evangelical. (laughs) What's wrong with that? In other words, you're one of those people who who believe the Word of God. Yes, that's me, and I'm not going to let you despise me for it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it says in Romans 1.16, but this applies to my own life. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed of this word, for it's the power of my salvation. You know, the word of God's what changed me. It's the word of God that was introduced to me in the correct way that made me desire to want to hear more of God's word. And I heard more of God's word going to church. When I was a little boy going fishing one Sunday morning, I'm not sure exactly how old I was, around 12, 11 or 12 years old, and and I loved God, but, you know, church was boring, and there wasn't anything there for me, in my opinion, you know, when, when you know, I mean, we had, we had 45-minute church services back then, and I couldn't sit still for five minutes, you know. I mean, I mean once the preacher started preaching, I, I, I'd make an excuse to go to the bathroom. Mom, can I go to the bathroom? Yes. And then I wouldn't show up for the rest of the service. You know, I just could not sit still. It just was just not, you know, a, a good scenario for me in church. But anyway, I was just telling the Lord, you know, hey, I, I, I love you, but man, this church stuff, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not for me. It's boring. He said, that's all right. You'll, you'll like it when you get older because I've called you to be a, a preacher. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, whoa, you know, where did that come from? I didn't know to. I didn't know to say get behind me at that time. I didn't know that scripture, you know, but, uh, but, you know, but it stayed with me all my life until finally I yielded to the will of God. And so when I heard the word, the unadulterated word preached, it just did something to me. It changed me. It's like, now, now if, if that's what a Christian is, an overcomer in this life, I want that. I want to. I, I want to be. I want to be successful. I want to be victorious in this life. You, you God's for me. You know. You, you mean God doesn't want me to be sick? Wow! I've never been taught that before. You know. You mean. You mean God still heals people? That is so cool. God heals people, and so the word just really changed me. And 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 uh, having a, a deep rooted rejection in my life. Uh, just there was this acceptance by God and, and uh, you know, through a process of time, he delivered me from rejection and, you know, I really don't care what people think and I don't mean that in an ugly way, but it used to be, man, I was concerned about what everybody thought about me, you know, and, and I, I don't really care. I'm kind of like, you know, Clint Eastwood, you know, I really don't care, you know, and uh, so, and I don't, but I do care what God says about me. And this word has changed my life. So let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in the word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Now, Paul's talking about him coming, okay? Not about till Jesus comes, but we should do this until the Lord comes. And give attention to reading. What was the reading they were doing at that time? The Word of God. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And do not neglect the gift that's in you. Oh, that's so important. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you have a gift. 
And you know, if you don't feel like you have a gift, you know, you can, at least you can encourage somebody. Use that gift of encouragement. But every one of you have a gift. And, you know, this is what we're all about, helping you discover your gift. You discover your gift by staying in the Word of God. So don't neglect it when you know what your gift is. You know, that's, that, that gift, you were designed and given a gift from the foundations of the world. God gave you a gift, gave you an ability for a purpose and for a reason. And that purpose and that reason, you know, could be, you know, uh, uh, an opportunity to be a world shaker and a history maker. You say, oh, pastor, I, you know, my, my job or what I do, I'm not going to affect a whole lot of people. It's not the amount of people that you affect. It's a, the, 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 the chances of affecting one person or two people. I think about Mordecai Ham. Most people don't know that name, but some people are starting to realize who that is. But Mordecai Ham was a powerful evangelist. And uh, he had this opportunity to go to this big city to hold a, a, a major crusade. And, and uh, God spoke to him to go to South Carolina. And uh, I believe it was South Carolina, maybe North Carolina, but some little old dinky town. And you know, Mordecai, what are you doing? There's nobody in that town. That's not a big town. You're not going to, you know, receive enough money to take care of your budget in that town. You know, but he went there, and one person answered the altar call, and that was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham certainly has changed the world with his calling. And so, you know, it, every, there's, there's somebody out there you can touch their lives. You know, I, I don't remember his name, but I remember the Sunday school teacher I did have, you know, and and, um, you know, one of the things that he sat down with us and told us in Sunday school class, he said, well, the, what's that have to do with the Bible? I don't know, but it affected me. But he convinced all of us, don't smoke. Don't smoke. And you have to understand, my whole family smoked. I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, we, we, we could hardly wait until we got to a certain age because we were allowed to smoke in the house, you know. But he, he just... He left something in me, not to smoke, and I never did smoke because of that. I'm so thankful that he put that in my heart, you know. So he, he, he was used, you know, to change my life. Other people have been used to speak into my life, and God wants to use you to speak into other people's lives. And how is that? Don't neglect. Don't neglect the Word. Keep living the Word. word. People are watching you. They're observing what you're doing, and they're really receiving from you. So don't neglect the gift that's in you, was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself, the King James says, holy or entirely to them. You know, this is the key right here, giving yourself. And that's what I did when I first heard the word of God. I just jumped in both feet. Man, I was just like, man, I am going to do this. This, this is good stuff. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And one of the means of progress is that, you know, your, your increase, your profitability, your profiting is going to be evident. People are going to see that, you know, God's hand is on your life. People see the favor of God on our lives. People see the favor of God on this house. You know, I think about, you know, just how we got here 21 years ago, how God opened up this facility, how God opened up supernatural things for us when we first started the church 26 years ago, almost 27 years ago now. You know, God's hand, God's favor is on this house. 
And, and it was just because we, it, it became evident to, to everybody. My realtor said one time, she said, what is it about you, you know, Tom Luther? It just seems like everything that you touch just prospers. Well, that was a testimony to a non-church believer. And so they saw that God was profiting me and I was progressing in everything that we did. And so give yourself entirely that you may uh, progress and may be evident to all. And take heed to yourself, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. In other words, make the word of God personal for you. Now we're going to see something here in Psalm 78. And this is what, we, we, what happened with the children of Israel. Yeah, they showed up. They heard the commandments of Moses. They, they, they all said amen, but they didn't take it for themselves personally. We know Caleb and Joshua did, but the rest of them didn't. We're going to see that here in just a moment. Make this for yourself. This is for me. This word's for me. This is, this is my lifeline, is this Bible and, and, and the word. Take heed to yourself and the doctrine, doctrine and continue in them. Continue. Don't just hear it once, but continue in this. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So go with me to Psalm 78. And uh, Psalm 78 kind of sounds a little negative, but really it's talking about all the wrong things that the children of Israel did that hindered God from blessing them. And so I was looking at that, and I've been sharing that a little bit. But, you know, if God's going to reveal to us all the wrong things that they did, then I'm going to begin to try to figure out, well, then what are all the right things to do not to limit God? Amen? So we're going to start with verse 32. It just talks about Psalms 78, about how God delivered them out of Egypt and, and brought them into the promised land. But we're going to pick up here in verse 32 of Psalms uh, 78. In spite of this, they still sinned. In other words, it had shared with all the great things God did with them and for them, delivering them from Egypt, the plagues that they saw, yet they, the children of Israel were living in the land of Goshen, and nothing ever happened to them. God protected them and watched over them while all these other plagues happened. And then they left Egypt with all the gold and silver. You know, they, they had it all, you know. And then they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. You know, you'd think that these guys, you know, must have some type of real emotional challenge to be out there and having a light at night, you know, to give them warmth and a cloud at day during the day to, to, to keep them from getting sunburned. They're closed and wax old, you know, God supernaturally fed them. S something's not right here. You know, with their, their, their thinking about God, God's doing all these wonders, and yet they still, you know, turned away from him. You know, and they, and they, they grieved him. <clears throat> and you think, what were they thinking? Well, you know, God can get them out of Egypt, but that doesn't necessarily mean he can get Egypt out of them. You know, and again, you know, it goes back to not just hearing the word of God, but being a doer of the word of God. Not just being a doer on the word of God so other people can see you do it, but being a doer because it's what you really want to do on the very inside of you. Your, your heart is to do the will of God. And so in spite of that, they, they sinned. They did not believe his wondrous works, even though they saw it. I, I mean, I, you know, could you, could you forget walking across the Red Sea? 
you know? I mean, God's done some miracles. We've seen God do some miracles in our ministry. We, we had a lady come up one time years ago before we ever started the church. We were doing a revival meeting, and this lady came up, and she was diagnosed with cancer. We prayed for her, got the report that she was cancer-free. Went back to the doctor, no cancer. Went back and did another revival service for that same church, no cancer. Totally healed by the power of God. You know, uh, the, the, one of the gentlemen that, that came and visited us over uh, Thanksgiving, I believe it was, truck driver, he was talking about the first time he came to one of our meetings and, and we prayed for somebody who had one leg shorter than the other and he said, I just ran up there and looked over their shoulder and he said, sure enough, I saw that leg grow up. He said, I was a believer after that. <laughs> saw that leg just grow right out after they, you know. You need to rehearse what God's done. That's so important, to rehearse the goodness of God. You know, what God did in your family. Rehearse that. Tell it to everybody, you know. I'll never forget one time I was telling somebody what God did for this church, and he said this to me. He said, if you tell me that story one more time, I'm going to puke. I'm like, what is your problem? Well, he's, he went to eternity early, way early, because he didn't... Uh, he didn't really appreciate the wonderful things that God's doing and God's done. Rehearse those things. Share those things. Don't be ashamed of sharing those particular things. And then here, verse 33, therefore their, uh, therefore their days he consumed in the futility and their years in fear. And when he slew them, they sought him. In other words, God had to slap them around a little bit. God had to show them a little bit of his wrath to get their attention. Oh, well, don't, don't hurt us, God. And they returned, and they sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered that God was their rock, and the Most High was their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him. They flattered him with their mouth and lied to them with their tongue. In other words, it was an outward manifestation. It was an outward showing more of a showing than it was an inward heart change they didn't have an inward heart change towards god and went on to say goes on and says for their heart was not uh, steadfast with him nor were they faithful in, in his covenant but they being full but he being full of compassion forgave them of their iniquity he did not destroy them yes many times he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath for he remembered that they were flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. How often they provoked him, it says. How often? It wasn't just once. I mean, they just constantly provoked God in the, in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from their enemies. You know, and this is one of the things that happened, was that they just basically got back into their own way of doing things, their own way of, uh, of living. And what a lot of people don't know, a lot of scholars don't understand, is that Moses came on the scene, he brought the law, but before that, they served God the best they knew how, and they kind of served God with a mix of Egyptian gods and the Hebrew gods. It wasn't a total sanctification. So they were just raised wrong. They just had a wrong understanding of God. They didn't have the law. They didn't really understand 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob until years later. They were just beginning to learn about God. So don't fault them too much, but yet God revealed himself to them, and yet they were still inclined to go after the, their old customs and their old traditions. This, this is why it says in Matthew 15, it tells us that the traditions, your traditions will make the word of God void. You know, they had all these traditions, all these you know, concepts and all these um, indoctrinations and all these thoughts and uh, the way God really, the, the way they thought God was, which he wasn't that way. And they had to get all that purged out of them. And yet they couldn't allow the wonderful works of God to convince them that they need to go wholeheartedly after God. They just, they just had a hard time with that. And so it says there in the, in the Word of God that they limited the Holy One of God. The, uh, the, the Passion Translation says it like this. And again and again they limited God, preventing Him from blessing them. So how do we progress? How do we move forward? Number one, we refuse to limit God. Tell your neighbor, I'm not limiting God. I am not limiting God. I'm not limiting God. Not, not in this house. You know, God's been speaking to me that he wants to show his might in this house. He wants to show his might to this people. He wants to reveal himself even in a greater way to this congregation and to this church. I don't know all what that means. I just know that God wants to show his might to each and every one of us. I was praying the other day, and, and, and since I've been praying, since I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that, every day that I come in, I've heard the same thing. But I came in one morning uh, last week, I believe it was, and I just began to thank him and say, he's a mighty God. And he said, tell the people I'm going to show my might to them. Tell the people I'm going to show my might to them. And every day that I've come in to pray, I start thanking him and thanking him. He's a mighty God. And he said, tell the people that I'm going to show my might to them. Every day that I've come into prayer, every time I'm praying, the Lord's tell, telling me to tell you he's going to show his might to you. I don't know what all that means, but I tell you what, it's got to be good. It's got to be good because God's going to show us that he really is a might. He's going to show his might to us. And so I'm not going to limit God. And so I'm praying, Lord, thank you that you're going to show your might. And I am not limiting God. Now, I'm not limiting God. Just like I've been saying, you know, no idle angels on my watch. You know, I know I have hundreds of angels, maybe thousands of angels. And they're not going to be, no idle angels on my watch. No angels, you go forth. You go forth. You're, 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 you've been given to me so I can release you to carry out certain assignments. And the assignment that God's given us this year that he says he's going to do, it's going to be a year of restoration and a year of harvest. Come on, somebody. A year of restoration and a year of harvest. A year of restoration and a year of harvest. I believe that my whole heart. I believe this is going to be a year of revival in this house. We're going to see the power of God, the might of God in an unprecedented way. Can I hear an amen? I'm not limiting the Holy One of God. I refuse to limit God. <laughs> but you know there's certain things that we can do that can limit God. I'm not going to limit God from blessing me. You know, I'm going to just, God, you want to bless me today? I'll take it. Well, you don't need it, but it's not about not needing it. I'll just take it anyway, amen? I'm going to receive all the blessings of God. 
When I get to heaven, I don't want a, you know, a, a warehouse full of stuff where you go in there and God said, well, all these things I had for you on earth, but you, didn't, you limit me from giving. I don't want to get there and say, man, I missed all that. No, I want to experience all that God has for me. How about you? I'm going to experience. I've determined I'm going to experience. I determined I'm not going to give up and miss out on anything that God has for me. But I'm going to see the might of God. I'm going to see the hand of God in an unprecedented way. This is my year. Glory to God. And you say, what about next year? Well, then next year is going to even be a better year. So don't limit God. The word limit here means to grieve God. The Webster Dictionary says it like this. It means to restrain God. And that's what the Passion Translation said. It says, and again and again, they limit God and prevented him from blessing them. Not me, not this house, not, not this pastor. I'm not going to prevent God from blessing me. I'm going to take all the blessings that, that he has for me. So some of the sentiments for uh, a limited is diminished or insufficient or minimal. You know, and that's what they did. They made what God did minimal. Oh, yeah, we walked through the Red Sea. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, manna. Yeah, we had manna every day. Sure got old. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we had some bitter water, and Moses threw this stick in the water, and it all became sweet water. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, yeah, there was, a, there, there was a, some type of fire in the sky, probably UFOs or aliens or something like that, you know. You know, yeah, during the day, yeah, it was, it was just, you know, global warming caused that cloud to be over us. Yeah, you know, those things, you know. Come on, don't people explain away the goodness of God? You know, well, you know, I went to the doctor and the doctor said that, that uh, I had this, this, and this. and went back, got prayed for, went back, and the doctor said, oh, we probably misdiagnosed you. Oh, the test was probably in it. No, God did a miracle. Come on, somebody. Let's put it back in perspective. Say, so, well, what if God really didn't do a miracle? Who cares? Say it anyway. I mean, you know, let's give God credit for all the good things that he's doing. Amen? He gets blamed for all the bad things. You hear people, well, God made me sick. You know, I fell and broke my shoulder. God was teaching me a lesson. Well, I, listen, I don't think I have to break my shoulder for God to teach me a lesson. Amen? I like keeping my bones healed without being taught a lesson. Amen? I like to read the Word and be taught a lesson. Glory to God. It's a lot easier on my body. But they restrained, from, they restrained God from doing more. And they didn't limit God just once. They had a lifestyle of limiting God. You know, we all sometimes get in doubt and unbelief. But, you know, you just got to chase it away. Just like Abraham had to chase the vultures away when God made covenant with him. Before God walked through that, that, those two cork, uh, carcasses that Abraham had cut in half. Before God walked through that blood covenant with him. Abraham had to do something. He had to keep the vultures away. You have to keep the doubt out of your mind. Keep the doubt away. No doubt in my life. I'm not going to allow anybody or anything to cause me, to make me think that God can't do this. And you know one of the things that really works on me as an individual that tries to stop me or hinder me or try to create doubt in me is doing it in my own strength. Hello, somebody. Well, I can do that. Well, you know, if, if you want to do it, go ahead. But, you know, God can do it a lot better than you can. Doing it in his strength, not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. What does that mean? Not in your own ability, not in your own power, but allowing the very spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
Let that spirit just take you to places you never thought you could go before. Because with God, there is no limitations. Are we doing okay this evening? So refuse to limit God. Take the limits off. Take the barriers off. They didn't believe his wonder work. They flattered God with their mouths, and then they lied to him. In other words, you know, if you looked at them, you'd say, well, they all look like they're upright before God. They all sound like they're living for God, but in their hearts, they were far from him. You know, and this is the real key to walking with the Lord and seeing God do some great things, and that is having that personal relationship with him. I'll never forget, I was talking to the Lord, I heard some people complain about some of the uh, some of the uh, preachers talking about the wealth that God blessed them with. And it wasn't like I was upset with, with the fact that they, they, got, they got wealth, you know. It didn't bother me at all. But I asked the Lord, I said, what about this? What about, you know, some of these ministers who, who talk about this great wealth and some people are saying they're, they're extreme in the area of prosperity. Teach me something here, Lord. He said, well, they know me. I said, what do you mean they know me? He said, they know me as their personal father. And when you get to know him as your personal father, you know there's no limits for you. Come on, help me preach this tonight. When you know him as your personal father, when you know what he can do. I knew my dad's limitations, you know. I knew some some of my dad's limitations, but I also knew there were some things that he wanted to do for me, and he did do for me. But he was limited as a natural man. But there's no limitations. They know him as their own father. They spend time with him. They don't just spend time to get a message. They spend time with God. And that's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, seek is not just do it once. Seek is a lifestyle. You keep seeking. You keep going after. How many of you have ever done any mushroom hunting? Anybody ever done any mushroom hunting? So you go out to mushroom hunt, and you're seeking. What are you, what are you doing? You're seeking mushrooms, right? But are you going out there expecting not to find anything? So part of seeking is having the attitude that you're going to get something. Part of seeking is the attitude that you're going to find something. You're not just going through the motions but you're going to find something and when you go out to go mushroom hunting you endure all the seed ticks huh come on the humidity it's hot you got to sometimes park your car on a gravel road and walk a half a mile into the woods to find some of where these mushrooms that you picked last year are going to be this year you're anticipating what are you doing you're seeking you're enduring you're pressing through And by the way, if you get an abundance of these mushrooms this next year, hello, come on now. It's even better if they're already fried. No, just kidding. But, but you know, if if, if you go out to, to find and see, this is what it means to seek. You need to seek God in a way that you're anticipating him. You know, I've stepped into this place, you know, every time I come into this place to pray, I'm anticipating God to speak to me. I'm anticipating God to say something to me. And he is saying something. He is saying, tell the people I'm going to demonstrate my might to them this year. The might of God. The mighty, powerful work in in an unprecedented way. We're going to experience the might of God in an unprecedented way. So that's what it means to seek. It means to continue to go after 
Well, the next thing is they lied. In other words, they did not hold fast to their confession. Well, when they were being punished, yeah, when people were dying, they ran to God. Oh, God, oh, God, you know, deliver us from all these trials and all these tribulations. And God says, okay, I will. And then after that, they're like, all right, we want to do our own thing again. We just want to go out and, you know, you know why, why aren't we in the promised land yet? Is this all you can do, God? You know, the, and not only that, but they had certain lifestyles that they needed to purge out of their society. They needed to purge certain things out of their society. And God was wanting them to put him first and not themselves first. And so that's why they, they lied to God. They, they didn't trust God, and their confession became bad. And so you need to hold fast to your confession. This is how you, how you progress. Hold fast to your confessions. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says it this way. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. One thing God can't do, he can't lie. He's made some of these promises, and all his promises for you are yes and amen. Take hold of those for yourself. That's my promise. That's a promise that God gave me. If you see in the word of God, that's a promise that God gave me. You know, one of the promises that God gave me is this, that by the very stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. One of the things that God's been really putting in my heart to meditate on is Genesis 1.26. He created me in his image and his likeness. Well, if I'm in his image and his likeness, God certainly isn't sick. He's not having a bad day. In fact, God is so full of love, he doesn't let anything get to him. That's how much love he's full of. That's where I want to get. That's the kind of love I'm asking for. I want to love God like God loves me. Amen. So hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to what you're believing for. Keep confessing those things which God says you can have. Because I can have what God says I can have. And I can do what God says I can do. And I can go where God says I can go. And I can, I can live where God says I can live. And I can drive what God says I can drive. I can work where God says I can work. I can be what God says I can be. Hold fast to those confessions. Hold fast to those things that God has spoken to you. This is going to be a year that God's going to demonstrate his might in an unprecedented way. Come on, somebody. Help me with this. Stay diligent. They were not steadfast, it says in Psalms 78, 37. For their heart was not steadfast with them, nor were they faithful in his covenant. They weren't faithful to, to, to remind themselves you know, this is why we take communion, to remind ourselves of the covenant that God created for us, that God gave us, so that all his promises are yes and amen. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word rewarder, it means he pays wages. There's dividends to serving God. You know, it costs more to serve the devil than it does serve God. It pays to serve God. 
He's a rewarder. He pays wages. He's going to bless you if you diligently seek him and go after him with your whole heart. And it says this, that they provoked God. They grieved him. They tempted God. How? By not allowing him to fulfill his plans in their lives. God wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants to help you progress and advance you so that you can receive the highest level that you can attain. That's where God wants to take you. He wants to take you to another level, another place where you can attain more in your life, so you can see more in your life, so you can experience more in your life. Why? So that it's evident to all that you serve a God who is a God who will bless you, that that he'll demonstrate the goodness of God. He He wants to pour out his goodness in an unprecedented, overwhelming way so it's a testimony of God's goodness so that all who see you see that God's blessing you. Well, why did you get blessed? Well, because I serve God. Well, they laid everybody off. Not, they're, not, you know, they're not laying me off. Well, if they lay you off, you know, that means God's got a better job for you anyway. But no. Well, they laid everybody else off. Why do you think you're so special? I had somebody ask me that one day. Why do you think you're so special? I said, because I have a covenant with God. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah. And guess what? It works for me. Amen? Amen. And it'll work for all those who put it uh, to practice in their lives. He's a mighty God. So that we don't want to provoke him. God's demonstrating his might in a powerful and glorious way. Daniel 11 verse 32 says this. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, shall, uh, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God. Mm, that's the key right there. And this is what I was saying about some of these other ministers who God's blessed so overwhelmingly. They know God. They spend time with him. People who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That word strong means to strengthen. They'll be strengthened. They'll prevail. They'll be strong. They'll become strong. They'll be courageous. It means to be courageous. It means to be firm. It means to grow firm. It means to be resolute. There's no changing. There's no turning back. It means to endure and to prevail. The expanded Bible says it like this. The king of the north, he'll tell lies and cause those who have not obeyed God to transgress transgress the agreement or the covenant or the treaty, to be ruined and to become godless. But those who know God will obey him and be strong and fight back. In fact, one of the translations says it like this and applies it this way. You, knowing God, will fight back the spirit of the world. You, knowing God, will strengthen you to resist what's going on in the world. You, knowing God, will empower you to say no to all the things that's not good for this nation. And you'll be a testimony of God's goodness. Is that good or good or not? I tell you, that's good stuff. It got me pretty excited. And so you'll do great exploits. Why? Because you know your God. Amen? Depend on God, not your own ability. That's, one of the, that's the last point that I put in my message tonight that limits God. Depending on your own ability. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, you ever, ever done something and you thought, man, I should have prayed about that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that myself. We've all done that. You know, get to that place where you're totally depending on God. Not by might, not by your might, not by your power, 
but by his ability, by his power, by his might, by his glory, by what he has inside of you. And that's the key to not limiting the Holy One of Israel. That's the key to not limiting God in your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.